0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Our subject for today's program is the soul and the spirit. What are they? Well, the Greeks had an idea about what man was, and, and here's what the Greeks thought. They thought that the body of a man was a prison and that inside this body prism, there was a a good soul now the idea that the body is evil is not a scriptural idea because god made the human body and he took the dust of the ground and he said at the end of that creation behold it is very good very good not not just good but but very good apparently if anything is wrong with Body of a man, this problem is not a conflict in the Bible. It's not a conflict so much between body and soul as it is between spirit and soul, as we're going to see. Now, the Hebrew view of man was absolutely the reverse of the philosophical content of the Greeks. See, the Hebrew view of man is that the body is not a prison. The body is a temple. Now, there's an obvious world of difference between going to the temple and going to prison. The Hebrew view of man was completely different. Man was something noble, like a temple, not the defiling, and degrading, like a prison. Next... The Hebrew view of the soul was not that the soul could live independent of the body, but rather that the body and the soul were so linked together as to be inseparable. The Greeks saw man, the body, as a prism, and this good soul would come out of the body at the time of death. You know, it would escape from the evil body. But that's the Greek view of man. Let me be clear, that is not the biblical view. The Hebrew view of man was that when man died, his soul did not escape from the body, but the two were inextricably linked together so that the soul could not leave and live independent of the body, that the soul ceases to exist when the body dies. The idea that man has an immortal soul was derived from the Greek view of man and not the Bible. The Bible is entirely foreign to this idea. Only God has immortality. Immortality is promised to the people of God at the last day. You know, Paul writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Beginning down at verse 51, it says, Behold, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, doesn't he know that when the man dies, the Bible says that the spirit returns to God who gave it? I mean, doesn't he know what the Bible says? Well, yes. I mean, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and let's read in verse 7. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. You see, the Bible states the Spirit will return to God who gave it. There's no question about that, but but what is it that returns to God? The difficulties in regard to this text stem from a failure to properly distinguish between the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of man. I want you to notice carefully that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, are not always the same thing. You see, any time you read the Bible, you must ask, when you see the word Spirit, is this the Spirit of God? Is this the Holy Spirit? Or is this the Spirit of man? That is extremely important. Otherwise... Failing to do that, you will draw some ridiculous conclusions. In Genesis 2, verse 7, we have the the record of the creation of man. Let's look at that. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. So you can see... The man here that God has made was made from the dust of the ground. God made the eyes, the ear, he made all of the gastrointestinal tract, the vascular system, the bones, the nervous system. He made it all, and there is this man. But he's not alive. He's not a living soul. So now what did God do? It says, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Now, I want you to notice over here that the Bible does not say that God put a soul into man. It says that God put the breath of life into the man. It doesn't say that God put his soul in him, but rather it says that when man was made, And as soon as God put into his nostrils the breath of life, that same man became a living soul. We are souls. The Bible does not teach that we have a soul. In Job chapter 27 in verse 3, we all know the story of Job and and his suffering. And when you go over to chapter 27... And you look over at verse 3, here's what it says. For as long as life is in me and the breath of God is in my nostrils. Now, I know that every single one listening to me knows that when an individual dies, that the breath, or the spirit of God, which is in the nostrils, ceases. When we die, we cease to breathe. This has been, up until this time, the prima facie evidence of the death of an individual. Now, in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, right, it says, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. It was God who put the breath into the nostrils of man. It is the Spirit of God that gives all of us life. We are not in perpetual motion. We are not just machines. When the life-giving force or power from God is withdrawn from the body, then we die. It is the Spirit of God that goes back to God. The Bible never says that the Spirit of man goes to God. So we must see clearly the difference between The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of man. And we must ask ourselves intelligent questions. The Spirit of man doesn't go to God when he dies. The Bible says the Spirit of God goes to God, the God who gave us life. In the book of James, chapter 2, in verse 26, we read, For just as the body without the spirit is dead so also faith without works is dead. You see, my body without the spirit is dead. God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, the spirit, and Adam became a living soul. When the spirit of God leaves the body, the body is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. So imagine this scene. You're, you're sitting in church. And the door's open. And a man comes in. He screams with a terrible sounding voice. Every eye instantly turns toward the door. And this man is the wickedest man in this entire town. He's wicked. And you could look at his face and you see that there's not a shred of decency in his countenance. His face shows everything that's evil, and as he's coming down the aisles, waving and swinging his arms, he's approaching the platform. Now, there's not a decent thing about him. Let me ask you a question. Does he have the spirit in him? Is his body alive? I'm asking you, does he have the spirit in him? Of course he does. But as I said a moment ago, this man doesn't have a decent fiber in his body. He is totally wicked. What is the spirit that's giving this man's life? Is it the spirit of God? As long as he's alive, he's receiving life from God. God doesn't approve of the way he's using the life God has given him, but nevertheless, the life that he has been given to him by God, he is using it. Now he has the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that has given him his life. So here's my next question. Does this man have the Holy Spirit? Well, obviously not. That's why I said a moment ago that anytime you read the word spirit, you must always ask questions. Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this the Spirit of God? And it's obvious that they're not the same. Now here's the third question. This man is coming down the aisle. He's swinging his arms, and and just as he gets to the front pew, suddenly he grabs his chest, and he has a massive heart attack, and he drops to the floor. He's crumbled in a heap, and there's doctors in the congregation. They rush up to him, and he stopped breathing. He's dead. Now, what happens to the spirit that was in him? It went back to God who gave it, Right? But that's not his personality. So there is nothing in scripture that says something about man goes back to God. But there is something about God who gave him his spirit of life that goes back to God. Who gave it? We certainly wouldn't contend that this man has gone to heaven. Because the spirit of every man who dies, both good and bad, the spirit of God in every man goes back to God who gave that man life. I hope that's clear. Now let's talk a little bit about the soul. The only way we can determine the meaning of the word soul is to see how it's used. And if you read often enough how the word is used, you begin to get... A clear picture. Now, God made man. We read it there. It says in Genesis 2 7. We're going to read that text again. And here's what it says Then the Lord God formed man, formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. Man is a soul. The Greeks taught the soul is immortal, but notice what the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18 and in verse 20. It says, The soul who sins shall die. Now, in James chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Does the soul die? Of course it does. Now, what did Jesus do? Now, listen to this one as as we read it in the book of Isaiah. I've read these texts over and over with a great deal of astonishment, and it opened my eyes to the word soul. Like, look at Isaiah 53, And verse 10, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now this is speaking about our Lord upon the cross. It says, when his soul makes an offering for guilt. It doesn't say his body. It says his soul, an offering for guilt. The next verse, verse 11, Isaiah 53 says, Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. The Lord upon the cross never complained about what men did to his body. Not one complaint. The thing that drew a cry of complaint from the lips of our Lord was what the Father did to him when he turned his back upon him and our Lord cried out in his soul, in his feelings, I can't understand it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was not an agony of his flesh. It was an agony of his soul. Isaiah 53, verse 12. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. We are saved by the soul of our Lord. Because he poured his soul out to death. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38. The Lord Jesus is approaching the cross and says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. You see, the soul is where the sorrow resides. It's our emotional nature is in the soul. And see how the word soul is used, for example, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Well, that means she was delightfully happy. The Lord had just told her that she would bear child, the Son of God. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, what was the next verse? Verse 47, it says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. What is this spirit? It has to do with the mental and the intellectual aspect of man. Soul with the emotional aspect. Spirit, spirit the intellectual aspect. In her mind, she says, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing in my feelings and the very thoughts of it. And that's, and what's going to happen. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm overjoyed. Both my emotions and my mind. Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Notice it says, a sword will pierce your soul. What is it saying? This was a foretaste of that which would happen at the cross, the agony that his mother would go through, which no doubt she did the agony in her feelings. Luke 21, verse 19, it says, by your patience possesses your souls. In other words, don't let your feelings run away with you. He's talking here about the destruction of Jerusalem, and he says, don't panic. Don't let your feelings overwhelm you. Now, very quickly, as we come to the end of the program, let's look at the word spirit here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We are to think the way God thinks. Colossians Chapter 2, verse 5 says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So Paul says, Though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. What does this mean? Right? If you think like a Greek or a spiritualist, then what you read is, is, I will be with you in spirit. That means Paul would leave his body and his spirit would leave his body and he'd be there walking amongst them, but they couldn't see him because he was in spirit. Now, if if you're thoroughly contaminated with a Greek philosophical view of man, that's what you would come up with. But we're following Hebrew thought here. So what did he say? He said, though I'm absent in the flesh, I'm there in spirit. What is it? I'm thinking about you. I am thinking about you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me try to put this into the language of the 21st century. Paul says, I pray that God will preserve you completely, physically, emotionally, mentally, blameless. The soul and the spirit are not the same, very different. But this is biblical anthropology. This is the way man is seen, not by the Greeks, this is the way man was seen by the Hebrews. I see a human as a body. I see them as an emotional being. I see them as an intellectual being. And God sees us all three ways. And He wants to reconcile them all and make them beautiful and perfect by the indwelling Spirit. And so, what happens when a man dies? The thing that happens when a man dies is that his power for feeling is over. His power to think is over until Jesus gives it back to him in the resurrection. Friends, may this truth comfort and strengthen us onto that great day in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for the clarity of Scripture that allows us to fully understand what for many is so complicated and so confusing. Father, we are living souls. and We long for that day when Jesus will return and we will receive from your hand the gift of immortality. Make it so that each and every person listening to me and the ones that they love will be there on that day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. On each and every broadcast, we'd like to make a resource available to you, our viewer, as a way of you better understanding some of these biblical truths and God's will for our lives which is something that we all work towards better understanding and uh, um, we talked a little bit about the soul and the spirit and death and to help you further your understanding of that topic I have for you here a Signs of the Times magazine and this edition uh, is entitled What Happens When You Die? Uh, We'd love to send you this as a gift from Lessons for Living Television there is no obligation whatsoever on your part. Uh, you will receive this in the mail. You'll never receive an invoice for it. It is a free gift from Lessons for Living. If you'd like to get this copy of Signs of the Time that deals with what happens when you die, and I ask that you pay very close attention to the information we're about to give you.
1: To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website WWW.L4LTV.COM. THAT'S THE LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION WEBSITE, WWW.L4LTV.COM. YOU CAN ALSO WRITE US AT POST OFFICE BOX 27030, SIMCOE-CONLIN POST OFFICE, Oshawa, ONTARIO, L1G 0A3. AND WE WOULD BE HAPPY TO SEND THE OFFER OUT TO YOU. THAT'S POST OFFICE BOX 27030, Simcoe-Conland Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. OPERATORS ARE STANDING BY NOW. WHILE ON OUR WEBSITE, YOU CAN LEAVE A PRAYER REQUEST, AND IF IMPRESSED TO DO SO, DONATE TO HELP KEEP THIS MINISTRY ON THE AIR. THANK YOU FOR YOUR SUPPORT.
0: WELL, WE'VE COME TO THE END OF ANOTHER LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION PROGRAM. LET ME THANK YOU SO MUCH FOR TUNING IN, AND LET ME uh, ENCOURAGE YOU TO LET YOUR FRIENDS AND FAMILY KNOW ABOUT THE PROGRAM so that the next time we're on the air, they can be with us also. Uh, Before we go, a few things I want to remind you of. One of them is our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you can uh, have access to all of our previous programs. There's a previous programs tab there. There's a page that's called Archived Sermons where I have different presentations that I've done across the country. There's a video you can watch, and then there's a study guide that you can download and help you better understand some of those topics and feel free at any time to write to us to send us any questions you can do that right through the website there's a live appearances page that shows where i'll be appearing live and then there's a donate today tab where uh, if you feel so moved you can uh, send a donation we are a charitable organization so every dollar you send is eligible for a receipt for income tax purpose. So, so pray over that. And if you feel so impressed to donate, you can sure use the help. I uh, also want to draw your attention to my Instagram, uh, Santos underscore Bill, every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I put out a one minute devotional video. Great way to get the day started. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, There'll be an audio version of the program available on our SoundCloud account. And so these are different ways that we can stay connected throughout the week, and uh, you can use those tools, those social media tools, to share the program with friends and with family. Just one more thing before we go. I want to remind you of Mission Now Canada. The website is missionnowcanada.com. That is the overseas humanitarian work. We've got some exciting projects coming up in South America, Central America, uh, in Asia. So check out MissionNowCanada.com. Maybe you'll want to join us on an upcoming mission trip, or maybe you'd like to send a donation for any one of those projects, or maybe you'd like to do both. And so thank you so much, and check out MissionNowCanada.com. We are rapidly running out of time. Let me thank you again for joining us. We look forward to doing this again next time. We hope that you'll be here with us. Till then, God bless you. We'll see you back here real soon.